I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. that lullaby music means (laughs) welcome back to the week in review our very own recap show here on heritage radio network my name is jack insley i am joined by the one and only executive director of the entire network it's aaron fairbanks good morning to you aaron good morning jack and the crowd goes wild yeah (laughs) well we we can do that yeah you got some (laughs) <laughs> now can you just like follow me around for the rest of my life and whenever i'm feeling down i'm just like pop that into the soundtrack oh yeah sound effects really help when you're feeling down uh well welcome to the show if you're a first time listener this is where we recap the week in programming here at heritage radio network i would call it the world's leading food radio station we do about 32 live weekly shows and uh we try to recap that into a little 25 minute podcast for you here so you can get caught up on all the happenings in food and the way we like to start this show is by recapping our last great bite Erin I'm very curious to hear what it was for you I am sticking with my beverage theme of late. Um, I feel like as the liquid diet, huh? Yeah, liquid diet. Well, as like the seasons have changed and like here in New York, it's been like rainy, then it's been hot, then it's been cold. And uh, I feel like my body's a little bit like, what's going on? And I have been looking towards uh, a little shot in the morning of um, fire cider, which is actually a uh, kind of apple cider tincture, um, incredibly like strong, vibrant, uh, wake them up, uh, way to, to start the day. So fire cider is definitely my last great bite and something I've been leaning on this, this past week to just kind of stave off, uh, any type of sickness and whatnot for all of the like weird wonky kind of like weather we've been enjoying. It's a little spice. It's a little nice. You know, it's fair. It does have a bite that liquid, so I'll give it to you. That's the fire. That's, That's the, the fire, fire in the cider. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping it local for mine just because I forgot how damn good the burger is here at Roberta's and I had it recently and um, it, it is very, very, very good. I, there's not too much to say about a burger that you can't imagine yourself. It's just like a delicious I don't know burger. about that. I feel like there have been many books written on burgers, Jack. Maybe I'm just not qualified to pontificate on uh, the burger, but uh, hell, it's, you know, it, it was it was rare in the way I like it. And uh, crispy fingerling potatoes. So yeah, Roberta's Burger. That's what I'm going with this week. Absolutely delicious. Uh, you know, something I always tell people when they ask what to get at Roberta's, I'm like, don't ignore the other items on the menu besides the pizza. I know everybody wants to come here and try the pizza, and it is delicious. But the the stuff they they do in the kitchen is always incredible. So that's my tip. Yeah, I I also like use the mayonnaise liberally. <laughs> more of a I, see i i don't i don't dress the burger at all i, I dip I'm, the burger you dip the burger i dip the burger in a combo of ketchup wow. and mayo. i also dip my fries in a ke- combo of ketchup and mayo oh wow which is also why i have to work out six to eight hours a week because <laughs> oh. i have to keep up with my burger fries and mayo oh, habits and enough. pizza and ice cream you know you only basically li- i'm a 12 year old boy you only live once <laughs> But I want to live long, so I'm yeah. trying to balance it out with a fire cider. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what let's see what we had uh, in the studio this week, Aaron. 
So many good shows, so many good clips. How could we possibly choose? Um, as always, a robust week of programming here in the Heritage Radio Network studio. And Aaron, I want to start with uh, your show, The Farm Report. You're back hosting The Farm Report back. after a one back season in hiatus. List, dude. Um, listeners might not know that at one time I hosted The Farm Report and it was a really bad show back No, then. come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, oh, man. Uh, but, Aaron, it's, it's very, very nice to have you back at the helm there of The Farm Report. Things feel right in the world when you're hosting that program. And uh, I was very excited to see that you had uh, Anastasia Kolplakis on the program, who has a long, long history with Heritage Radio Network and Roberta's. Um, the Brooklyn Grange, of course, I believe still the world's largest rooftop farm. Um, they kind of the, the seeds of that company started here at Roberta's on, on this very rooftop of the radio station. Um, Brandon and Anastasia and... Um, and Ben Flanner and Gwen Shantz all kind of like met and, and started this whole thing here at Roberta's. So it's a nice story to have followed over the years here. And Erin, you, you had her on to talk about her book. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. She just published uh, a brand new book called A Farm on the Roof, What Brooklyn Grange Taught Us About Entrepreneurship, Community, and Growing a Sustainable Business. And it was an amazing book. I feel like it was... Uh, I was... I thought I really knew the Brooklyn Grange story and the urban egg story. Um, but Anastasia put it together in, in a really gripping way. Um, and, you know, really kind of taking you back, um, to a time when like, you know, Kickstarter wasn't really a thing that everyone knew about when kind of alternative funding sources were new to the conversation and really looking at how did they raise, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and to, to support, the building of the farm, how did they convince a landlord to let them put tons, literally tons of dirt tons, on top yeah. of the roof? How did they coordinate with city agencies to um, get uh, you know additional funding, additional space? Um, and then really the kind of fun factor of it all, uh, thinking back into the days where they're like, you know, par partnering with the local motorcycle gang to run an event. Anastasia uh, was such an inspiration. Um, and the book is great. You guys should really check it out. Yeah. Well, let's listen to a clip of Anastasia here talking about uh, young farmers in the industry. Uh, this is Anastasia Kolplakis on The Farm Report. We're, we're going to lose a lot of knowledge in this world as farmers age out. And there is a little bit of a gap. We Everybody has heard about, oh, young people going into farming, young people going into farming. But it wasn't a natural progression. It wasn't grandparents who taught parents who taught young people. It was there's a lot of young urbanites who are moving to the country to start farms. A lot of people who used to work in advertising and are taking that money and starting farms because, you know, there's that old adage, how do you make a small fortune in farming? You start with a large one. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I really think that we have to share this knowledge, especially because we're all kind of learning on the fly now. We're, we're working under totally new conditions. You know, I mean, climate change is a very real thing. It's really affecting how farmers grow. It's changing, uh, you know, soil and conditions in regions where people might have uh, had some semblance of, of an understanding of what farming looked like and, and then be thrown for a total loop, uh, you know, as, as springs become wetter and later and summers hotter and drier and 
It's uh, it's it's just it's it, farming's never been easy, but I think it's only going to get harder. So we really, really have to help each other out, especially with new fields like urban agriculture, rooftop farming. We're not reinventing the wheel. It's essentially ground level farming, but on a rooftop. But it, it does have its own set of really unique challenges, and so we really need to be on top of sharing what those are and transparent about the lessons we've learned. Awesome stuff. Um, and if anybody, of course, is looking to get into this sort of thing, uh, Anastasia is a great person to follow and, and read up on. She also did a little show with us called Anastasia's Fridge, which you can find in the in the Heritage Radio Network archive if you search. Um, some good stuff there. So moving on into the week of programming, the next thing we want to play is a clip of What Doesn't Kill You, one of my favorite shows, Who Doesn't Love Katie Kiefer? And she had this incredible, incredible, incredible guest, Ken Ilgunis. Um, and he actually hiked, Aaron, 1,700 miles along the proposed Keystone XL pipeline route, which was incredibly illegal <laughs> and dangerous. And fueled by candy bars. And fueled by candy bars. But but what a fascinating story. Uh, he wrote a book about this, the documenting the entire trip, and really just a very pleasant guy to be around. I'd love to have him in the studio. Let's take a little listen uh, to him on What Doesn't Kill You, hosted by Katie Kiefer. You know, one of the things that really cracked me up, by the way, was what you described as the food, being a food person. I have to ask you about your diet on this journey, because what you described was to me like, I couldn't believe that you showed up here with all your teeth in your head and your face, you know, like your entire body, just one giant pimple. I mean, tell us what you packed. It was really uh, amazing. Yeah, I'm going to distress some of your You your basically, you, I mean, if I could have bought, Mar, you know, stock in Mars, I would have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like heavy-duty candy bar reliance there. Uh, basically, I went to Sam's Club and bought about $1,000 worth of food because I was going to box it all up and then have a friend in Denver mail it to post offices along my route. This is how through hikers doing those big mega trails um, organize their trips. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I bought a whole bunch of energy bars, which have some nutritional um, quality to them a lot of candy bars i was eating like three candy bars a day and then other things like i had a lot of granola and powdered whole milk so that's what i'd have every morning and then at night i'd usually have some like ramen with some really old parmesan cheese which is strangely never goes bad and i'd carry little canisters really cheese (laughs) i don't know what it is but it didn't go bad and uh, and a couple canisters of olive oil oil and stuff like that and it's funny like when i get to a town and I'm, I'm mostly a vegetarian and i really care about my nutrition but when i get to a town on this walk i had not really eaten any fruits or vegetables for a long period of time yeah but all i wanted was like a milkshake and a hamburger like that's just what i was that is like one of those surprising things about like long-term endurance work is I know on like the hundred mile runs, they have like snack stations where you run by and you grab like a handful of peanut M&Ms or potato chips. It's like simple carbohydrates. Yeah. Keep it moving. You know, Aaron, I told you about uh, over the summer, last summer I, I hiked the upper peninsula of Michigan, the pictured rocks lakeshore. And I thought I was so cool for hiking like 18 miles and. Yeah, this just kind of ruined that for me. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Like 1,700. My goodness. Um, Lightening things up a little bit. We're going to round out this part of the show with a clip from Love Bites. I know you love this show, Aaron. Um, Jack... (laughs) 
<laughs> you do. I mean, uh, you know, we always talk about it every week. So Jacqueline's guest, uh, Marsha Polas, is an occupational Pilates instructor who leads a class and uh, leads a class for bartenders called the Bartenders Pilot Program, which I think sounds so cool. Um, so she was she was the guest this week on Love Bites, of course, the dating show on Heritage Radio Network, where food and dating intersect. Um, and he, let's listen to a little clip of Jacqueline talking with Marsha. What's the most common uh, way that you see bartenders and also chefs misusing their bodies? Well, bartenders and chefs use their bodies differently. There are some similarities, but there really and truly is a difference between a, bar- a bartender posture and what they'll be feeling and a chef posture. So let's talk about bartenders first. A bartender stands on one leg, um, which like most of us that have a Not standing right. leg, yes, but it's a, it's a pretty tremendous stand on one leg. Um, they drop one shoulder, one shoulder rolls forward, the other one rolls back. Their power arm, they lift that shoulder and they lift it with everything that they do. Even if they've retrained their shake, their stir, their pour, they still overuse that shoulder at the joint. They use, they use it sort of as a weapon, I feel like, against themselves. Um, I notice swollen hands a lot. They don't think their hands are swollen until I get my hands on them, and then they realize that they've lost some mobility, and it comes back. Um, Their feet hurt. I've learned through this program over 12 weeks with these 12 bartenders. I think almost every bartender I've come across now for five years has a bunion. Bunions, wow. more than one, some some degree of it because they stand on the outside of their fo- their feet. They stand wider than their hips. Oh man, I feel, I was like, God, I really never thought of my my bartender's feet before. I'm like, what horrible things do I have from sitting in a computer most of the time? Yeah, well, I mean, the the like kind of repetitive uh, stress injuries. That's like a real thing, and I think it's one of the interesting things that you're hearing more in in conversations um, around culinary professionals is how do you kind of make it in this industry long term and uh, taking care of your body is a big part of that. I know April Bloomfield spoke on this pretty extensively at last year's um, Cherry Bomb Jubilee talking about um, how she, you know, works with young cooks now to help them prevent the injuries that she's dealing with after spending, you know, decades plus putting her body through the grind cooking. So get out there, folks, stretch, you know, take your meds, do your deep breathing, listen to love bites. (laughs) Podcasts, the ultimate healing mechanism. Well, you can walk in podcasts, you can run in podcasts, you can bike in podcasts. Careful, careful. Yes, be uh, careful with that one. All, all thing, all things possible. But all yeah. purpose podcasts. You know what? You, you just got the one body. You got to take care of it. I thought this was a really interesting show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's plenty, 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 plenty of more programming on the website, heritageradionetwork.org, of course, and all the shows are on iTunes. So dig in. Um, and we're going to dig into a conversation about bacon. That's right. I'm going to leave that as the cliffhanger. Aaron will introduce <laughs> the guest after this. Welcome to The Breakdown, where uh, we have special guests every week going into all types of different topics. And like I said, it's bacon this week. Erin, what do we got? So we are going to be talking about one of um, many of your, I know, favorite subjects, uh, bacon. And we happen to have a bacon expert on the line, um, Ari Weinswick of Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And Ari, you guys actually have launched a camp bacon 
Um, tell me other than like camping out in the woods and eating bacon until you can't eat any bacon, like where did this event come from and like what can people expect? Well, hi, Aaron. Uh, where it came from is, uh, I don't know how many years ago I wrote a book about bacon called Zingerman's Guide to Better Bacon and uh, allowing my mind to wander into creative places. I sort of had this fantasy of having a camp bacon uh, where, you know, all the things that you would imagine would go on at Camp Bacon would go on. <laughs> I, I suppose at some deep psychological level, it might have come from my childhood attendance at a uh, kosher Jewish camp. <laughs> we did a lot of bad things, but I never even dawned on me to go eat bacon because yeah. it was like so far out of the realm of possibility. But I don't know if that's really accurate. But but anyways, uh, about a, six months after the book came out, uh, Pete Garner, who was working with us then, we were in a meeting joking around, and he goes, you know, we should actually do Camp Bacon. And I was like, you know what? That is a great idea. Let's do it. And uh, and so we started it. This Now this June will be our seventh annual. Uh, we decided to do it as a fundraiser for Southern Foodways Alliance just because uh, we love their work and we've learned so much from them. And uh, in fact, many of the bacon makers that we've met or pork cures that we've met, you know, we met through Southern Foodways Alliance. If people don't know their work, I really recommend uh, checking it out. Your listeners, I, I'm confident, are well aligned with their, you know, mission of bringing people from diverse backgrounds together uh, around food and foodways and cultural uh, understanding. It's really pretty fascinating, wonderful stuff. And then also for uh, fundraising for the local 4-H uh, in support of, you know, keeping agriculture healthy and alive with young uh, people in the community. So that's, we do it as that. Uh, and then each year it sort of gets a little bit bigger and a little more extensive because we've had good response. So uh, the main event of it is on Saturday, uh, June the 4th, I believe. And that's it's sort of a one-day symposium on bacon with a lot of food, a lot of fun, a lot of good people. Uh, we've got an amazing lineup of speakers this year. Uh, Adrian Miller, who's got a fabulous book on soul food and is an amazing guy uh, who I actually met years ago when he was on the board of Southern Food. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff on uh, cooking in the White House, including a lot on African Americans in the White House. Uh, and he's going to speak on presidential pork, which, of course, is particularly <laughs> timely. So you're taking uh, the bacon yeah. analogy like to all of the ends that one would want. Yeah, absolutely. So there'll be, I'm sure, plenty of good humor around that. Uh, we've got the gentleman who works uh, for Newskis, who designs and manages and, and facilitates the effective operation of their smokehouses. So he's going to talk about what makes a good smokehouse and how to how to manage it, you know, using real uh, applewood like they do there. Uh, we've got uh, Rolando Baramendi, who is uh, really one of the pioneer importers of great artisan Italian food in the U.S. is going to be there. He's an amazing teacher and speaker, very wonderful human. Uh, and he's going to do a talk on uh, uh, pasta alla gricia, which is the sort of pre-Columbian uh, pasta alla amatriciana, so before there were tomatoes. Uh, in, in Italian cooking, this is really what the dish was, and he's going to do that using uh, the rusticella, the, the, the fabulous artisan pasta from the Abruzzo. 
Uh, we've got Antonio Fiasca, who's uh, in Chicago, whose company is called Induya Artisans, and he makes the Calabrian Induya, and in, he's going to be uh, sort of reveal, unveiling a few new uh, other spreadable salamis, uh, cured salamis that he's been doing. He does Yum. great work. Uh, Chris, Chris Wilson from the Smithsonian is coming. He's going to do a talk on bondage and bacon, which will be about uh, enslavement and, and pork in the enslavement enslaved community, so that should be fascinating. Sherry Yard is coming from California to do something on baking with bacon. And there's there's more, and then we wrap up with John U. Bacon, who is a... That is a real name. In, it's a real name. <laughs> Mr. Bacon. Ridiculous. He lives, he lives here in Ann Arbor. Uh, he's actually quite well-known, but not so much in the food community. He writes about sports, actually. Uh, he's got some national best-selling books uh, and uh, writes quite a bit up in, in various publications and is well-known for that. But anyway, he, he's going to do a talk on being bacon. So obviously uh, a full lineup event. I want to go back to actually um, the reason that you originally wrote the book and what you said, um, yep. it was yep. that we weren't eating good bacon. Are we eating better yep. bacon now? Are we doing better? What's the like state of bacon? Yeah, I think it's improved. I mean, obviously, you know, you and I know the, the, the food world that we're uh, moving in is not the food world that the mainstream is moving in. But uh, I think when I wrote the book, I was... It, it, it was sort of taking a little bit of frustration and turning it into a positive, you know, uh, affirmative approach. And I was just, you know, it was like with cheese, we had done so much great work to, you know, really teach ourselves and then teach our our customers about the, the history of various cheeses, what made the difference between one cheese and another, uh, why great artisan cheese was so special, you know, the, the whole story behind it, and then you know, learning to assess flavor, quality, et cetera. And with bacon, everybody was just sort of going like, man, I love bacon. Just give me more bacon. <laughs> so I'm not really, you know, it's, it's, it's the difference between mass market commercial bacon and then, you know, an artisan bacon from, you know, Edwards or, or, or from Alan Benton or her back house or, you know, all the new skis, obviously, uh, you know, being one of the greats. Uh, you know, all those great people, uh, it's so different from what the average American is buying in the, in the supermarket, you know. And, and, I mean, we've been cooking Newski's bacon uh, at the deli since we opened in 1982 every day. And so for us, it's the norm. But the book was really about how to, how to bring the stories of people like Newski's and Edwards and, and Herbeck House and stuff alive and, and to help uh, people understand what made the difference between a great piece of bacon and, and, and sort of the commercial stuff that, you know, sizzled, I guess, and, you know, had a kind of good smell in a commercial way. Right. <laughs> but they really didn't taste that great. Yeah, and I think that's like, you know, they say that bacon is kind of the gateway meat. And so, like, I think there's something interesting yeah. about exploring bacon via all of the different events. Um, you know, Camp Bacon goes from June 1st to June 6th. So I know you touched on a lot of the speakers, but there's different tours, um, uh, baking yep. opportunities. Um, yep. So hopefully it can be kind of also just a gateway really into this conversation around, you know, animal welfare and culinary history. And um, I think that's, yep. but also funky and also fun, which Zingerman's is so good at. You guys, I saw are doing a limited edition black light poster. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, that's our, <laughs> our creative, creative crew uh, came up with the idea this year of doing a black light poster for it. So it's, uh, they're going to, I think we did 50 of them. 
uh, and they're going to be out for sale. And you know, obviously, the, the money we raise will go to Southern Foodways and 4-H. But they're they're pretty cool looking. Uh, anybody that's either old enough to remember that era, like me, or <laughs> young enough that it's now chic to go back to it, uh, will like them. So I think we can we can hit all ages with those. And and then, like you said, we've got all the different things. John Bacon kicks it off on Wednesday with uh, a talk about his new book, actually, which is on the Michigan University of Michigan. Uh, athletic department and some fascinating stuff around that with, with a little bake, camp bacon orientation to it. And then on Thursday, we've got our bacon ball. we got a special dinner. Uh, Mark Essig, who's one of the speakers I didn't mention, who's uh, got a fabulous new book out on the history of hogs, uh, is, is going to come and speak. He's from Asheville. He'll be coming up. And then Rolando uh, Baramendi, who I mentioned, will be cooking. Uh, and then Friday, we've got uh, Baking with Bacon at Bake, which is our uh, baking <laughs> school for home consumers. And then also we've got a special food tour, which I think is either close to or booked up. But you get on the waiting list, a uh, pork-centric tour of Detroit, uh, which should be nice. And then Saturday, the main event, which you mentioned. And uh, we actually have a couple who's uh, booked our events at Cornerman Farms is our uh, 1834 house and farmhouse in 1837 barn that we renovated and we do events out there. We've actually got a couple who's getting married at Camp Bacon this year. What? Which will be, yeah, well, come on, seriously. <laughs> think about the, memor- the memories of your wedding and yes, that you got married the, at Camp Bacon. The so scent of bacon. Married the after Camp Bacon, they'll have their whole, you know, all their family and friends and have their bacon-centric wedding. And then on Sunday, uh, 11 to 2, we have a street fair down at the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market you know, people vending bacon-related products and, you know, a lot of kids' activities. And, and again, it's all a fundraiser for Southern Foodways Alliance and, and 4-H, and it's all right here in Ann Arbor. That's awesome. Yes, and I'm going to be out. Heritage Radio Network will be on the scene. We're going to be recording a lot of those talks on Saturday. So if uh, we have wet your whistle with some of Ari's descriptions, stay tuned. We will definitely be bringing you those. And if you want to find out more, uh, ZingermansCatBacon.com. Ari, thank you so much. Thank you, and I hope to see some of the uh, listeners at Camp Bacon. Yeah, get, if not this year, then next. And, and then also in the meantime, guys, uh, send us your thoughts. What's your favorite bacon, your favorite way to eat bacon? Um, would love to hear some pro tips on the bacon front. So I think that brings us out of the breakdown. Ooh, I can taste the bacon. It's like <laughs> right there. Crazy. Well, that was awesome. Thanks, Ari. And with that, uh, why don't we move into the final segment of the show, Big Ups. <laughs> Right. Another wonderful week. Another energetic sound clip of the band Big Ups, of course. Joe Galarraga, Carlos Alguero, good friends of the station. Aaron, who, who are you going to big up this week? I want to wish a very special big up and a very happy birthday to Lena Dunham. Um, I'm a huge fan of her work. I think that she has been doing amazing things in... Uh, media. If you have not checked out Lenny Letter, which is her weekly newsletter that she produces with a ton of other amazing women, definitely sign up for that. She's probably most well known for her role on Girls, but I really admire her for her fierce political activism and support to feminist causes and want to wish her a happy 30th and say thank you, Lena, for being awesome. 
Nice. I'm uh, I'm going to send a, a weird one. This is a big ups to Justin Warner, only because I just saw ah, him last night. Yeah, he was night. here last night. Yeah, saw Justin here last night, and it just reminded me how badly I miss Do or Dine in Bed-Stuy. Uh, yes. And what that place... You know how, how good it was. There's really no good late night eats in Bedstein anymore, or like a restaurant quite like that in the neighborhood. And uh, I'm just excited to see whatever Justin does next because he's a really fun guy and a really nice guy. And uh, you should get his cookbook, Jack. Then you can I have like, it. yeah. Well, there you go. You it's can make, complicated. Make it. At it's home. so complicated. <laughs> You're like, here's the 70 step process to make foie gras donuts. I'm like. Maybe not this week. Weekend project, <laughs> a special weekend oh, project. Man. And yeah. just a reminder, too, that, like, you know, it's really fun to be out eating at the, like, latest hot new restaurant. But if you have a place you love, the best way to support it is to go there on the reg. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but I'm sure whatever Justin's going to do next will kick ass because that's just the kind of dude he is. So big ups. Big ups to Justin. Big ups to Lena. Not a bad r- week for big ups. Yeah, seriously, some good. I feel like they should hang out. They probably <laughs> yeah. get, they'd get along. That would be fun. He could explain to her like how you know his seven primary rules of cooking or whatever that is. I love. That's like one of my favorites. Yes. Check him out. Check out his how all foods are like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a slice of pizza. He's got a really interesting take on flavor pairings. You can find that um, on archives of Heritage Radio Network or search the World Wide Web. That's right. Wherever books are sold. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's it for the Week in Review. Thank you, Aaron, and thank you, listeners. If there's anything you want to share with us, uh, info at heritageradionetwork.org is the email, heritage underscore Twitter, uh, heritage underscore radio on Twitter, heritage underscore radio on Instagram. Uh, Find us. We're easy to find. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jack Inslee, joined by Aaron Fairbanks, Executive Director of the Network, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.